Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. I'm your host, Luke Velasquez. It's Wednesday. It's time for With Sonar. We've got another special guest for you today, a returning guest, James Jackson, JJ, a.k.a. my man uh, in Texas, holding it down over there. James, how you doing today? What's going on, y'all? Y'all doing all right? We're doing good. It's, uh, it's sunny, 80 degrees, fantastic day to get on the course, and uh, the birds are chirping. Sun is shining and we're slinging freight. Do you get on the course is the better question. I know it's a great day to get on the course, but do you get on the course? To get on, yes, we're going to be getting on the course. The okay. golf course ponds, the fish are on fire right now. What's your handicap? Uh, I actually got kicked off of my high school golf team because I was playing in a tournament back in the day and I was going so big. I had one of those little collapsible rods in my backpack in my, my golf bag and I started mm -hmm. fishing during a tournament and uh it cost fish but the coach wasn't very happy so now now, now I'm just a golf cart driver yeah absolutely now I hear you I I never really picked up golf that well I was terrible and I never and I decided that I was never even going to learn to try to get better so I kind of threw it all to the wind but you know, enough enough of that, right? You know, we're, we've got some good things to talk about here today, James. There, there's a lot going on in the world. I don't know if we would use the term good to describe it, but um, but there's a lot going on. Um, you know, fortunately, we've got a lot of good data to help give a little bit of visibility into what it's doing to the transportation market. But um, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for sure. You know, what's going on? Uh, obviously, we're talking about Ukraine here. Uh, for those that have been living under a rock, we're talking to you. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But in all seriousness, very, very serious what's happening in Ukraine. We're, you know, James, this is something that one of the things I love about this show is, you know, you and I, we're not, we're not here to speculate on what's going on in the market. A lot of folks ask me my opinion. I don't know why. I have a terrible opinion on pretty much everything. It's always wrong. But they, they're asking, and the number one thing I always tell them is, listen, I'm not here to speculate into what's going on in the market, what are ultimately going to be the true implications of, of the Ukraine-Russia conflict war going on right now. I don't know, right? It was the same thing, like when there's hurricanes going on, how is that going to impact the market? The, the beauty of it all, though, is I don't have to, we don't have to guess. You know, we, we, we can leverage you know, a lot of the data, the real-time data, to understand what's happening in the market. And that's, that's exciting for me because if I guess, I'm going to be wrong, but at least we kind of have a little bit of footing to, to stand on. And with all the changes that are happening... You know, it's it, it, it's it's crazy to think, like, James, you and I were talking before the show, right? And there's been a lot of headlines over the last few days with various carriers, ocean carriers like Maersk and MSC and others, as well as some uh, uh, over-the-road carriers like UPS and Landstar. A lot of them have been cutting down systems, stopping, to, stopping a lot of their um, uh, services in Russia and even parts of Ukraine. You know, what's... What do, you, what do you make of that, James? Kind of when you were seeing those headlines, what was going through your head? Um, seeing a lot, I was, I was just thinking about, you know, the people. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of headlines going on. There's a lot of, a lot of turmoil within, within the industry. And uh, it's going to be okay. You know, we're, we're going through some headwinds. And, but smooth seas never made a skilled sailor. So we're... Uh, we're going to get through it. We have we have enough data to rely on um, that's proven, and uh, we got a lot of good people. So we're gonna we're gonna be all right. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Right, uh, if nothing else, we've shown there's there's tenacity for folks to continue to push forward. Um, obviously, we we wish for everybody and pray for everybody to be safe. But um, 
to something that I noticed that I thought was interesting is, you know, you've got, you know, UPS and FedEx have suspended service or deliveries to some parts or all of Russia, depending on the, uh, the carrier. DHL, though, we haven't heard from them yet, and I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. DHL, for those that aren't aware, they have 40% of the Russian parcel market. 40% of the Russia uh, parcel delivery market. They haven't, they haven't stopped yet, and I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens. I mean, we, we have to remember, too, it's, it's, it's important, right? There's a lot of people in Russia. It's not just, you know, the government or the, or the military. There's a lot of people there that need goods as well. So it's, you know, as, as they continue to shut down, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of implications. But also many have, many have stopped uh, services in, in Ukraine. Landstar uh, has stopped uh, uh, in Ukraine. They've shut down operations there. That actually is about $100 million worth of their business is done in Ukraine. Um, they've got some pretty big offices there. Uh, James, you, you were a broker for a while. Imagine somebody coming in and saying, hey, you, yeah, we're not doing business. you got to shut down shop until we say otherwise. It's like, what do you do? I mean, imagine that, right? What would you do if, like, just like when you were working in brokers, your three biggest customers, boom, gone tomorrow? He's scrambling. You know, you, the scramble is definitely real. Um, Unfortunately, I mean, due due to the circumstances, I think I think Landstar made made the right call. Um, you know, humanity will will overcome in the dollar any single time. Um, <clears throat> now, I think that's what you know, relying but coming back on the data and stuff. What we saw through kind of the kind of the COVID panic by you know when 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 the oil market shuts down. That was that was a lot lot of you know for the, for those capacity in the carriers based out of out of these heavy heavy markets such as Houston, when that stuff went overnight, you know the, this data that we have really helps you leverage and pinpoint saying okay where can I pivot next where can I move to set myself up for for success where where what are some new markets what are some new verticals you know we can get in based off of you know just the overall data. So I think, um, yeah, it's a shock. People are scrambling, absolutely. But I, I think ultimately um, the greater good was, you know, and in, in the right decision was made. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I, you, made, you made a great point, right? You know, we, we've, seen, we've seen some pretty, pretty, pretty large events, right? You know, we were talking about last week, the Texas snowstorm. We saw that, that show up in Sonar, right, and in, in a big increase in demand with tenders. We saw and a big, big, an additional uh, capacity constraint on top of what we already had. When, when COVID hit, right, we saw the panic buying surge. Then we saw the fall off. Then we saw the big ramp, uh, you know, that kind of took us to the top there uh, by August or so of 2020. And then we, we maintained that top, uh, still are near that top. Uh, so it's, it's definitely incredible to see some of those movements. I want to go ahead and throw something up here that I think is really interesting. So, um, Something that we we've been looking at here is there it is. Look at that. So this is this is the um, this is a chart of inbound shipments going to Ukraine, right? I mean, look at that right there. So pretty much since the start of the year, or I guess this is about the last 30 days or so. I mean, they've been on a steady decline. A lot of that has definitely been impacted by by the Russia the Russia uh, and Ukraine tensions. They didn't actually start. Um, uh, I believe their invasion until about about a, what, a week and a half ago or so. Um, and that white line, where the blue and white line meet, that's today. Those are the, today's bookings that have happened that are scheduled to ship to Ukraine. Okay, so those are not those aren't customs that have already hit Ukraine. 
those are bookings of what is to go to Ukraine over the next um, couple weeks or to ship there. So that's what's being loaded on vessels today, where that blue and white line meet. That's what's being loaded on vessels today to head to Ukraine. The white line, it's less of a forecast, more of an actual schedule. So that is what is scheduled to be loaded on ships to head to Ukraine over the next seven days. So again, a lot of this... uh, a lot of this volume won't actually start showing up for probably a couple of weeks, depending on where it's coming from around the globe. Um, but I mean, look at that. I mean, we've seen a, just over the last two weeks and going through to that forecast to the end of it there, that's about a, that's about a, a 25% drop. Ukraine's not that small, and they've got a pretty big port there in Odessa. James, you cut off 25% of imports for, for a certain period of time. It's going to be problems. Well, absolutely. It's, uh, and I mean, we can see the effect. And you made a great point there is that you think, you know, Ukraine, although on the world map, it may look small, but, uh, it's actually one of, one of the top, um, importer and exporters for uh, the agriculture industry. We yeah. do, um, our agriculture does a ton, a ton of business, you know, with that. And, and watching this is just really sad because, you know, they, they, they have a lot of great people in there and they're strong and yeah. you can tell, you know, just looking, they're built, they're built by farmers. And so, um, you know, times are tough right now. This is definitely having a direct impact. It's, it's actually very sad to see. Uh, but I think good always will, will prevail. And I believe hopefully sooner rather than later, we're going to see a rocket ship of it just come, you know, straight back the other way. That's right. And here's the here's the beauty of it. Right. You know, James is we don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know where it's going to go. But the nice thing is here in Sonar, right, if you if you do have part of your supply chain exposed to the market, this is going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. And it's going to tell you it not just as it's happening, but it's going to tell you it into the future as well so that you can make those plans so that you can make adjustments as need be or if nothing else, just see the implications of it. Right. And that's what I love about Sonar To, to flip gears for a second. Let's Let's bring it back to, to the U.S. for a minute, right? I know a lot of our viewers here are much more um, exposed to what's happening here domestically. So let's flip gears here. I want to show a chart of just, just where we are in uh, the U.S. Uh, from a port perspective. Or, you know, okay, here we go. So here's a good chart. Look at this. So this is, this is a chart I think a lot of folks are familiar with. The blue line there represents truckload volume over the last year. Big troughs there are holidays. The green line represents... Tender rejections or capacity is another way to look at it. Basically, the lower the green line goes, the more capacity we have to move a lot of those tenders. The higher the green line is, the less capacity there is, and the more exposed shippers are to the spot market. So here's an interesting, the reason why I think this chart is so interesting is over the last year, demand, the blue line is still very elevated, not quite at its peak, but not far off. But the green line has had a steady decrease. James, what do, you, what do you make of this? Demand is staying elevated, relatively stable, but capacity shows signs of easing. What does that mean for a shipper or, or, you know, or a broker or, a care, or really anybody in the industry? Anyone within the industry, you know, this is not, this is, you know, not from, you know out of left field. This is, this is expected, and uh, I still think, you know, we talked a couple weeks back is that I still think we're going to feel this front of demand for at least the next couple of years. Now, granted, everything going on in the geopolitical specter, how, what, what's the implications of that? We don't know yet. But based off of this data, we're still going to see that. And as a shipper or a broker or a carrier, 
Um, the biggest thing you can do right now is enhance your relationships and, and, and say, hey, let's let's find a median. Let's find a, a median where, where, hey, everyone's eating, everyone's doing all right, and let's try to, let's try to settle this out. Um, it, I talk to people all the time. It's not, it's not necessarily a supply issue. It, it is that demand issue. So we have to figure out ways to kind of cool it down and meet in the middle. Absolutely, James. But one thing, one thing that I think is, a, if you're a shipper, right, there's a potentially a good sign here that while demand is still remain elevated, the green line is showing that things are going down, meaning that demand, that capacity is beginning to close the gap with demand. It's still incredibly elevated there at over 18%. 18% tender rejections is still extraordinarily high. Traditionally, we sit between that 3 and 6% range in a traditional year like 2019 um, and, and before. But um, so to be at 18%, we're still very elevated. However, it's trending in the right direction. We were at 28%. Now we're sitting much closer uh, to 18%. So the trend is in the right direction. What that tells me is a couple of things. Number one, that capacity is closing the gap on demand. Capacity has begun to absorb some of that demand. Um, number two, if you're a shipper, that's reduced some of your spot market exposure, or it should. Number three, I think new contract rates are beginning to be implemented now, and they're higher because a lot of times they're negotiated based off of where spot markets have moved to. So, so that's made the contract market more attractive than the spot market to a lot of large asset carriers. So I think that's helped things as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but, you know, if you're, if you're a broker and you see this, I think this is a good opportunity to understand that, you know, there's going to be softening in the market. The question is, where do we land, right? Do we, do we continue this trend? Do we go back to where we were? Do we land somewhere in the middle? Is, just, just, is this just a brief little low before we go to new highs? That's the question, James, right? I think I think more or less we're gonna we're gonna land in the middle. Um, it's definitely definitely softening, you know, and there's definitely some absorption uh, within the market. But I don't think that we're gonna. I mean, we may see a, see it go up a little bit, but I think overall we're gonna meet somewhere in that middle. It'll never be as low as it as it was. Oh. Um, it'll never get back to that you know that eighteen nineteen, but um, I think somewhere in that in that middle that we're gonna. Yeah. It's going to hold on. The nice thing is, James, we don't have to guess. When it does happen or doesn't happen, we'll know. We'll be reading it right here. We'll right? That's it. I love it. I love it. Hey, James, are you, uh, are you, are you a basketball guy, right? Marsh Madness is, just, uh, is basically here, right? Are you, are you, are you into basketball? I know you're from Texas. You know, Texas forever, right? You know, hashtag football. But, you know, is there, is, does basketball ever make its way into your arson of, of sports? Absolutely. You know, we just got to throw it back to the college days, to the underdog, the true Davy and Goliath story, four-time overtime champions against VCU, Axe and Jacks, the Lumberjacks are coming, the Cinderella story of Cinderella story, Her movies are made, the Harvard of East Texas, coming all the way. Yes, yes, it's absolutely where Cinderella stories are made. I love it. That's a great comparison. Um, you know, It'll be interesting to see exactly kind of where it all lands, you know, given that a lot of this stuff wasn't able to happen last year. So I think I think it'll, I think people are very excited. I think people are very excited for it. Players are excited. Coaches excited. Obviously, the fans are excited. Do you um, if you're or do you make a bracket? Yeah. So we we throw out a couple of brackets, but nothing. I mean, here in Texas, I mean, it's March Madness is crazy, but 
it's still nothing like the college football or, or yeah. high school football. Yeah. I mean, Texas forever, right? You know? Texas forever. Friday Night Lights. Always. Is that, is that accurate? Is that, is that, a, is that an accurate, is that a documentary of Texas? I mean, we, so in some of the smaller towns, the towns will, will literally shut down. Um, the whole towns will shut down. I mean, that's the, that's the place to figure out the who's who of your community. Who's the movers and yeah. shakers. Go sit in the stands on, on a Friday night. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's like religion down here. Yeah. See who's talking to who, you know, it's uh, that's, that's fun. That's exciting. Were you, did you ever play football in high school? So, yeah, I was uh, starting left out. Um, <laughs> no, never played football in high school, but I was a cheerleader. So there you go. Like, just like my man. Dub, just like there my you man go. Dub, yeah. Love to see it. Yeah. Love it to see it. It's awesome. All right. Well, James here, let me, we don't want to get too distracted. Let me bring us back here. All right. So we got some more things in Sonar I want to talk about. Ports. What's the what's the what's the lifeblood of the truckload market? Where does demand come from? A lot of it comes from overseas. Seventy percent of truckload volume is on a ship at some point in time. We got to look at what's going on in the ports, and we've got a brand new data set to look at in the ports too. And a, a favorite one of it's already become a favorite of mine. Top five for sure. Okay, let's go ahead check this out here. So this beautiful color map here that we're looking at, or tree map, whatever. I mean, some pretty colors. It looks like Christmas on the screen right now. All right, Christmas just came early. All right, so James, this is our dwell time. So we, P44, Project 44, new data partners of ours. We've got like 1,500 data partners that we work with, but we just had one with Project 44. Very exciting uh, to get some new insights on the ocean side here, okay? Now, the, this particular data set is looking at U.S. ports, and we're looking at dwell times as the port of discharge, meaning that when these containers come in to U.S. ports, it's basically saying what, how long are they having to wait at these ports before their containers actually get offloaded and, and they get to leave, right? And eventually it gets picked up. So this is, and this is really important if you're a shipper as well as if you're a freight forwarder, okay? It, because it gives you a little bit more visibility to have accurate estimations. You know, if, if I'm shipping a container from, say, Shanghai to L.A., Rule of thumb transit is somewhere in the neighborhood of like 12 to 13 days, depending on what vessel, depending on a couple things. There's no way you're gonna actually get that container in 12 to 13 days because it might wait at the origin port for a while before it actually gets onto a ship. And then on top of that, you have the transit time. And then it might wait at anchor, and then it might wait again when it actually gets out of anchor into the port before it eventually gets offloaded. All of a sudden, a 13-day trip could turn into 35 days. But you don't know, is it 35 days, 25 days, 20 days? Is it 45 days? That's what this helps you answer. So we're looking at this at the port of discharge. By the way, we have like 94% global coverage of ports. So this is not just a domestic data set. This is an international data set. But um, James, if you're looking at this, this tree map here, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Is there anything that jumps out to you? Yes. Um, the, one that, the one that jumps out to me, obviously, you have you know, Seattle. Um, as well as, you know, Tacoma. So if I'm looking, if I'm a, you know, logistics manager or a carrier, what, this is, this is almost going to be my new Bible. I mean, this is, this is what you check every single morning and knowing, you know, when you make those plans from a, from a weekly to daily, if you're on, you know, daily train in and out of these ports, knowing when and where you're going to be able, you know, to pivot or put your trucks in a better market 
you know, 15, 20, you know, 20 days, you have a better, better plan. And the best plan yeah. you have, this, this is your guide. This is your map right here. That's going to not only, I mean, now you have tangible data where you can now plan 15, 20, almost a whole month in ahead on, on a, on a capacity scale. And like you said, you know, in the last graph that we're really, really starting to see a lot of these, more of these contractual um, type scenarios come, come, come to life. And this yeah. now is when you're when you're planning to make these contracts, you know, rather if it's on a quarterly, an annual, or a biannual, this this is what you need to know. No, spot on, James. Couldn't have said it better, right? I mean, it's it, it gives you a lot of visibility into. I mean, what's why why would it's kind of like why do rates go up? Rates just don't go up for kicks and giggles in the truckload market. They go up because there's been some change or down because there's been some change to supply and demand. Rates are nothing more than an advertisement to tell you where we need trucks or where we don't need trucks. When rates are really low out of a certain market, it's basically an ad saying, hey, we don't need your trucks. We just don't. We have plenty. That's why the rate's low. Or if rates are really, really high, that's an ad to basically say, hey, bring us your trucks. What, does this attract you to our market? Right? We're trying to bring capacity here. Now, in terms of where capacity and supply and demand fluctuate, that obviously determines how significant those bands are. And there's obviously other factors into it. I'm oversimplifying, but we understand the point. This is no different. This is the result. This is kind of like that rate, okay? This is the result of increased demand coming to the port. If you have too much demand coming into the port, the ports can't handle it. Seattle is a perfect example. A 208% increase. By the way, that percent number on top, that's from last week. So that's from a week ago. Okay, the bottom number there is in days. So that 18.5 one you see, that's 18 and a half days is how long containers are having to wait at the port of Seattle before you can add that containers actually discharged. All right, 18 and a half days. And that's just at the port of Seattle. We haven't even looked at the origin port. And I can tell you right now, the port of Shanghai, is around three days right now. And other ports are way longer. The port of Jakarta in Indonesia, if you ship from there, that's, that's about six days right now, as of this morning. And there's a lot of other ports there. Shenzhen's at eight days. So depending on which port you at, you have to add it on the front end and the back end right now. So I mean, you're talking 25 days here before you're gonna get your container and we, and we haven't even talked about the actual transit time yet. So that's another two weeks. So very important here. But if you're a driver, James, you already hit the head, nail on the head. There's probably about to be a big influx coming out of Seattle here pretty soon because they're gonna have to get that freight out. So you got options. James, I want to talk about one last thing before we run out of time. We, and you know what it is. It's fuel. We got to talk about fuel prices right now. We're high. Fuel. Look at that. Look at that line right there. Look at that graph. We are up and to the right. James, what, what, what price is that? Are we at like $55 a gallon yet? $410. $410 a mile price of diesel. $410. 410 a mile, and keep in mind, that's national average. You're in California. You're going to be paying a lot more than 410. Yeah, we were, we were looking at, uh, I think Dooner sent a picture in the, in the Slack channel. One of his drivers out there took a picture. I think it was north of $7 a gallon, Ooh. which is just astronomical. $7? I used to be able to fill up my car for $7. You're used to, yeah. No that's kidding. not true, but... Okay. <laughs> Seven dollars a gallon. Worth yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah. No, it, it absolutely is. And it's 
This is, this is increasing prices. So even though we've seen a lot of prices come down a little bit, we've started to see truckload prices come down, line haul rates, fuel surcharges are going up. So even if they're coming down, they're not quite coming down as much. You know, if you see a 10% decline on a lane, it may not be quite a 10% decline because those fuel surcharges are beginning to go up because of this right here. It's becoming very costly. Um, James, one last thing here before we part ways. I just want to let everybody know who is viewing here today. Um, so we've got an event here coming up, and if you haven't been to one of our events, you have to. They're going to be amazing. So this next one is the Future of Supply Chain. It's going to be a fantastic event here. Um, March is here. The first 100 tickets sold in March, okay, as of today. So March 2nd for $12.95. Big discount. Have a great Wednesday. We'll see you next week.